Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, as always, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to get up and share with you all what God's been uh, showing me through his word, through my time in prayer, and how it all kind of plays out uh, and with the people I get to live life with. So thank you all for being here. Thank you, Pastor Andy, for allowing me to be up here. And thank God that we get to be here together this morning, right? Uh, we're wrapping up our series on money, 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 uh, based off of Malachi 3.10. And today, the, uh, the topic we're going to get into is, is money, 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 test me in this. What, it's not working? Oh, you're just not oh. just wearing it on your shirt. Oh, okay. Jo Josh made me nervous. He's like, he's coming at me, dude. I, I lost where I'm at because Josh is coming. God, this is not good. So we're going to be ending uh, this series with focusing on the ways that we test God and the ways that he actually tests us, which turns out to be just one in Malachi 3.10. So uh, we're going to jump into that verse. It says, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So that's what we're going to get into this morning. The ways that we test God, the one way he asked us to test him, how these results reveal who God is and what type of person he is and what he's capable of and how those results shape us and give us our identity and impact and influence the ways that we live our lives. So, Father, I thank you so much, again, just for this opportunity to pray, Lord, as we get into this, that you'd be with us, you'd continue to be with us, God, and that we'd be able to, to grow closer to you this morning, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, for most people, uh, tests are a total nightmare. I know one guy that he has to take medicine before he starts taking his test and studying because he's just panics. But I'm not one of those people. I actually enjoy taking tests. I have no idea why. But all through school, all grown up, even now, I just enjoy taking a test. And, and the crazy part about it, I know I'm a weirdo, man. The crazy part about it is when I was in school, I used to get terrible grades, like 1.7 GPA terrible. So real bad. You have to do something special to get that type of GPA. But when we would take the state tests, I would always score in like the 65th or 75th percentile on all these different areas. And so it didn't make sense and it would drive my teacher's coup to help you get a better grade in my class. And when I would take my state tests, I was always told that if you mark C, that's going to or I wouldn't, and if I didn't know the answer, I would just mark C, right? Because I was always told that if you mark C, that's going to be the correct answer. So I told Mrs. Kaiser, I said, well, if you make the correct answer on your test C, I might get a better grade in your class, because <laughs> I'm just marking C. I have no idea. I'm just marking C and getting these great scores. But the reality is that, you know, tests, they prove what a person knows and what a person is capable of. That's one of the purposes of tests, to see what they know, what they're capable of, what they can do. Another purpose of tests is to find out what type of person that person is, to reveal who they are. And uh, there's a lot of expecting moms in our church right now, and that is super exciting. And by January, February, March, man, our church is going to double just from all these babies coming. It's going to be incredible. <clears throat> but you can ask any mom or any parent, any dad, that one of the most exciting test results that you get is a positive pregnancy test. 
There's nothing more exciting than seeing that on there. I remember one time with one of our babies, I came home from work, and, and I, I go into the bathroom, and on the, on the, um, on the mirror it said, one, two, three, we're ex- or one, two, three, four, we're expecting one more, or something like that. And I just, like, lost it. I flipped out. It was so exciting. And, you know, so finding that test result, you're going to have a baby, is so fun, followed closely by finding out if it's going to be a boy or a girl. There's something just so exciting that creates momentum when when we get these test results and we say, oh my gosh, we're having a boy, we're having a girl. What type of person are they going to be? What are we going to name them? Are they going to look like mom? Are they going to look like dad? And when we get these test results that reveal the type of person that we're creating and that's going to be born, it creates momentum to want to know that person even more. And it's the same with God in the ways that we test God. We find out what he's capable of as we test him. And we find out what type of person he is, who he is as we test him. And, and, and when we do that, do we find someone who is competent and capable to solve our problems? Do we find someone who is loving and merciful and forgiving? And when we get into these test results, what do they mean for us? How do they impact us? How do they influence our lives? And, and, and we've got to keep in mind that we test God daily, but God only asks us to test him in one way in Malachi 3.10. But we test him daily. We test his mercy when we judge others on their failures. We test his grace when we forget the power that is available to us as sons and daughters. We test his forgiveness when we continue to make the same selfish and sinful decisions because we forgot or ignore the power that's available to us. And we test his love when we refuse to live in the reality that what Jesus did for us on the cross is sufficient to wash away our sin and to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And we, we test this thing, these different things daily and, and we forget that we're being transformed into his image. And, and again, none of these he ever asked us to test. And even still we experience his great love and his great generosity through all of these different tests that we go through. But the one that he asked us to actually put him through with our money, we struggle with the most. And we resist more than any other. Why is that? Why can't, how is it that we can trust our Savior to save our souls, but we can't trust him to open the floodgates of heaven? Why is it that we're more influenced by our bank statement than the promise of God to open the floodgate of heaven? You jump over to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Uh, we're not going to unpack it all. <clears throat> but uh, in these verses, Jesus is teaching about worrying, about provision. And he talks about birds. And he talks about flowers. And they, they don't store up. And they don't burn out and worry. Trying to see if they can have enough clothes and enough food. And he asks this question. Are you not more valuable than them? Now, is this just a cute idea from a guy that didn't have a home while he was on earth, didn't have a house? Or is this a promise from the creator of heaven and earth to take care of you, to love you, to open the floodgates of heaven over your life? And every day we test God in these areas and we find that he is faithful. And in the one area we ask him to test with our money, it's as if our anxiety is more powerful than the promise of God. And we have clear instructions to test them through Malachi 3.10. 
Did you know also that what we fear and what we revere is often what we worship? And to revere something means to have a great respect or a great admiration, admiration for something. And I can't tell you the, the number of times in my own life where I've revered and, and had more fear for my money and my bank from my bank account to God. When we first moved out here, uh, some of you have heard, it was, it was pretty wild, pretty hectic, and <clears throat> to put it lightly, it was just a chaotic whirlwind storm of fear and terror that just seemed to never end. <laughs> and that's just putting it gently, just putting it gently. We had dropped into a new city halfway across the country to plant a church. I started a new career that I had zero experience in with zero, very little money to start out with. We just had Caroline. We just bought our first house, so all these different things are stacking up, and we had very little money. And the anxiety that I experienced, I remember having panic attacks so, so badly that my throat and my neck was sore from hyperventilating. And all throughout that, the overwhelming generosity of God as he transferred, you know, transitioned my focus from my bank account onto him, onto his promises, has been, again, it's an ongoing, it's been a painful and glorious process, but it's been so cool to see God do that. And it hasn't been easy. It was stressful. It was hard, especially when the account is so bare and the bills are so high. But over and over and over, he's provided. And, and my fear of money has begun to dwindle because God has proven his great love for me. Because God knows that we fear and revere money more than anything else. And that's why he asks us to test him in that area. And with every test, he pours out a superabundance of his grace, his love, and his mercy. Another way that I've been thinking about this also is, is, is you know, if I look at my own life, if the blood of Jesus, when he shed it on the cross, can wash away my sin and bring me to right relationship why can't he meet my need for money as I give it to him? I mean, we have to think about this. Which is more costly, my sin or my house payment? Which is more valuable, the blood of Jesus or a few thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars? Is that more valuable than the blood of Jesus? Maybe a trillion dollars. L look at it this way, right? What is more terrifying, spending eternity separated from God or getting an eviction notice? If God is capable of saving us and adopting us as his sons and as his daughters, to be filled with his spirit, he can surely meet our needs here on earth. By testing him with our money, we let go of our false sense of security and trust, and we learn to trust him and his promises. When we shift our fear and reverence off of the provision and onto the provider, he begins to shift and change things inside of our hearts, inside of our minds. So test God with your money and see what happens. See if he won't open the floodgates like he said. Now, earlier, we went over these different tests that we put God through. And as we look at who he is to understand from these results what he's capable of and reveal who he is, let's go ahead and let's take a look at God's test results as we talk about this, right? <clears throat> In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God is rich in mercy and didn't give us what our sins deserve. And even as we test him, 
This is the result of who God is when it comes to his mercy. Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. The grace of God offers salvation and gives us what we need to actually live out a godly life. So when we test it, we doubt it, we question it, we forget it or we ignore it, it's there eternally, forever, for us to be able to lay hold of and to walk it out. That's what it's for. First um, John 1.10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God's forgiveness is able to purify us from all unrighteousness. First John 4, 9 through 10. Again, these are test results of God, right? 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is, not lo- this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The proof and the result of God's love is Jesus on the cross. He gave generously his son. He gave generously to make up for our wrongdoing, for our sin. And in all these ways, what we see is someone who is capable of forgiving sin. We see someone who is capable of bringing new life, someone who is capable of empowering his children, and someone who is generous in giving us Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. So why wouldn't the promise of God, when we test him with our money, be any different? This is who he is. We test God in all of these different ways, and these are his results. Why would it be any different when we test him in the one area? This says the Lord, and again, this is the result of testing God with our money. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. If he's capable and willing to do incredible things for us and in us, when we bring him our sin, why would it be any different when we bring him our money? It's clearly who he is. He is generous. He is faithful. He is loving. See if I will not throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing, you won't have enough room to store it. And I've seen God's faithfulness and generosity in my life in so many ways, as far back as I can remember. When I first started going to church and learning about tithing and stuff like that, it, was a big, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I didn't know how much to give and what to do and anything like that. And so I was sitting in my pastor's office and, and I said, listen, man, I don't know, like, how much do I give? I don't know what any of this means. And he gave me the best advice ever. He said, Kyle, you pray and ask God and keep it between the two of you. And ever since then, for the last 16 years, every month, we paid our tithe. Jen and I have always done, even out of the little that we've had, and, and, and we've always looked to bless others. And the only thing that this reveals is that God's promises are true. When we look at all these areas that we test and we test them with our money, what this reveals is that he is capable and faithful and desires to bless and to open up the floodgates of heaven. That's what this reveals. And, and when, when, I, when I've tithed and as I've done it, the thought of giving to people has never entered my mind. It's always been my way of showing God that I trust him and that I trust him more than my money, more than my bank account. And I've just done it, even out of the little that we had, out of the the, the little bit that we had. And especially back when I was 20, when I first started tithing, man, I did not have a lot of money at all. 
<clears throat> I was working at this taco shop in Vancouver, Taco Del Mar, and I remember one day, it was one of the first couple of months when I'd started tithing, and, um, and I was driving to work, and I had like enough gas to get to, to the shop, and that was it. And I was on the phone with somebody, and I was telling them, man, yeah, I don't have any money. Like, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to run out of gas. I can get to work. I don't know how I'm going to get home. And they gave me some terrible advice. They said, this is easy, man. Just go and fill up your gas tank, overdraw your account, and the overdraw fee will just be a little bit extra. You pay for the gas. I was like, that is horrible advice. Thank you so much. So I hung up, and I just drove. I was like, God... I'm going to trust you. You know, at the taco shop, we had a tip jar, and every day we'd get like maybe seven, ten bucks, and we'd split it with the rest of the people at the taco shop. And so I was like, I'm just going to trust that you're going to do what you're going to do. I have no idea what that looks like. I'm definitely not overdrawing my account. And so I just went to work, and I get there, and I'm getting He comes in. He looks around. He sees the tip jar and drops a $20 bill in there. And he says, see ya, and walks out. And I was just so shocked. And I was speechless. I was like, what just happened? Right? And so, uh, <laughs> so I call him as he's driving away. I'm like, bro, like, what's this all about? He said, I don't know, man. God told me to put $20 in your tip jar. And so I did it. I hope you're blessed. And so I was just shocked. And maybe that doesn't seem like super abundance and outpouring of heaven, all this stuff. But what ended up happening that day is I ended up being the only person working and not just that, we, I ended up with like $50 in tips that day, which back in like, you know, that's 2007 or whatever that was. Dude, that was crazy. It was a super abundance of blessing for me at the time, right? And I was able to get home and do all that stuff. But that level of faithfulness and super abundant provision has never stopped. And it's gone far beyond money. Going back to when we first moved here during the chaotic whirlwind, uh, I remember I was sitting at a red light. Um, and I was hot and sweaty, shocking, right? Hot and sweaty, cause, and I was like in dress clothes because I just collected all of my open house signs that, from the open house that I hosted, and I used a lot of signs. I used like 20 signs, maybe 25 sometimes. But So a lot of signs to collect. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I'm sitting in my van. My van's running on fumes. I'm running on fumes. My bank account's running on fumes, and I'm just sitting there in this, this miserable state. And all of a sudden, this peace just came over me. It did not make sense. It did not match up with the circumstance. But this peace just came over me, an abundance of it. I remember just sitting there, and I just, all I could say out loud was, Jesus, I love you. And so that type of faithfulness for God to, to show up, even as I test him in the ways he never asked me to test him, and in the ways he did ask me to test him, he shows up with a superabundance of his, of his love and his mercy. And, and, uh, and, and it changed my life. Like, I will never forget that moment. The amount of grace and peace that I experienced, it transformed me. And not just that, but it allowed me to be able to have confidence and faith when other people are on fumes, whether it's their bank account, their emotions, right? And so that's, what, that's one of the coolest things about all of these tests and all of the, these results is that they don't only, not only prove how capable and amazing God is. All of these test results that we went over, actually transform us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. All of these incredible test results don't just reveal who God is, they reveal the type of people that we are being transformed into. It's shaping our identity. It's showing us a new way to live life. And it's, just, it's not just what we do, it's who we are. Tithing and giving our money isn't just something we do. It's part of who we are. 
It's part of how we live our lives because it reveals and it shows who God is as well. And so as we test God with money, we're going to end here. As we test God with our money, the results won't always be a $20 bill in your tip jar, but the test results will reveal the goodness of God, that he's capable and willing to, to, to move in your life, to give you the grace, to give you the mercy, forgiveness, love, and the abundance of heaven that he has available for you, whatever the circumstances might be. So test me in this and see what happens. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your promises, God. Lord, I thank you that your glory transforms me. It transforms us from glory to glory. God, and I just thank you, God, for uh, everything you've done and everything you're going to continue to do uh, in our lives, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're gonna. Uh, we're not totally done with service yet. We're done with the word, but uh, it's funny when Kyle was when we all moved here. He's talking about the chaotic whirlwind of chaos that was going on. Uh, this is not fear and terror. All these things. Okay, I hope you guys are getting our heart of this for this month. So we're talking about money. It's uh, we're not trying to say, hey, if you don't have any money and oh, just give it anyways and stuff. What it's really about is knowing God. That's what it's about. I remember Kyle and I was praying for him all the time, praying, God, just please help these guys. Like they came over with us. They're trying to help us. We're all doing this together and we're here. And I'm thinking, finally, maybe God's going to do a breakthrough. And Kyle sends me a picture one morning and he's like, I don't know how this happened. They were already broke. They already had no money. They were already stressed out of their mind. He sends me a picture and somehow he drove, you ever drove, drove over a nail in Texas and got in a flat tire? Kyle is the only person maybe on the history of earth uh, that drove over a key a house key, and it hit just the right angle at just the right time and just the right position with just the right point to go through his tire and totally flatten his tire driving over a key in the middle of everything else being crazy. And he sends me this picture, and I look at it, and I go, oh, come on, Lord. Not what I've been praying for. But God wasn't trying to deliver him from finances. He was trying to deliver him from fear. In order to get him there, he had to take him all the way to the bottom where there's like, there is no other hope unless God helps me and just to let go. And just to trust God. And God's taken us through some of these single person on our team when we started this church. Spent significant time, not once or twice, I mean like a year, significant time, like entire, your entire leadership of this church life. So if you've ever sold plasma bio life, your entire, your entire leadership of this church has sat and <laughs> we didn't do that. Jesus gave his blood, we gave ours too to this church. And we didn't do that to have a nice car. We did that to survive. Like, we're trying to survive. I'm, like, driving Uber. My wife's giving blood. Oh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have the worst ever leader that ever planted a church in the history of the world. And you know what? In the midst of that, in the midst of all those things, right, we were still tithing. We were still giving to this, to the church. Why? Because it's what God wanted to do to touch lives and to help people out of addiction and brokenness and restore marriages. And we were grateful. And one last thing, and then we're going to bring up a couple testimonies, and we're going to pray together today, is that... I remember when we were losing our business, because we were in business 25 years before we decided to plant a church, and I thought well, I was going to do both. And God says, no, you're not going to do both. You're just going to come to a church. I'm like, that's great. I'm going to fund it with my business. And God's like, no, you're not. And so we did it, and we have this business, and put $300,000 of cash into it. Six months later, we were closing the doors. And I remember sitting in the parking lot at Stonehill Shopping Center, and my daughter was working there. Uh, at one of the clothing stores, and I'm sitting in the parking lot, and she, I'm meeting her for lunch, and she's going to come out for lunch, and I'm stressed out of my mind, 
because we're giving blood, we're closing down stores, all these things, like all of our money's gone, the whole world's falling apart because we followed God, trusted God, look where this got us. And uh, all these things are happening, and it's total disaster. And I'm sitting there with her, and at the time, she had spent like the last like probably few years, total stress, anxiety about everything was fearful, everything was anxiety, everything was stress. And we're sitting in the car, and she could tell I'm stressed, and, and she just looks at me, and she's like, so what? And I'm like, what are you even talking about? And she's like, so what? I said, so what, what? Like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm too stressed to even know what you're talking about. And she's like, so what if you lose everything? And we weren't even talking about it. She's like, so what if you lose everything? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, so what if you lose your business? So what if you lose this? So what if you lose that? So what if you lose your house? And I'm like, that's a lot of so what's. Coming from somebody who's not there, so what's. And she just looks at me, she goes, you still have everything that God called you here to do, right? You still have your family, you still have your church, you still have your, and she starts naming off the things that really mattered. And I'm sitting there listening to her talking to me, and God's just like saying, let go. Let go, I've got something better. I've got something better. And I literally, I said, okay, let go. And it was only maybe a couple of weeks after that, maybe a month after that, that we get the call of somebody saying, you know, hey, we want you to um, think about adopting our baby that's coming, my baby that's coming out. If we had our store and we were that slammed trying to run a store and all the people working for it and all the things we were doing and trying to plant a church and all that stuff and somebody said, could you adopt? We'd have been like, there's no way. We can't handle it. We don't have the time. Well, guess what? We had lots of time. We just lost our business. Only the thing we really had to do was drive Uber at night and go give blood during the day. So like, oh, we could have a kid. We didn't have any money for it, so we're like, sure, but we don't have any money to do this. And it still costs thousands of dollars to adopt even privately. So we end up um, saying yes to that, and now we got our little girl. And so God knows. God knows about you, your situation, your life, and when he's asking you to give, he's not asking you to give so that we can get rich. He's not asking you to give because he needs the money. He's asking you to give because there's something about letting go and trusting God that breaks all kinds of bondages and chains off your life, and you can live in the peace that God gives. And it's amazing. It's an amazing place to live. And so I have a couple of people to share testimonies, um, and then we're going to break out and pray, because we are. I gave out those sheets last week. Um, I'm going to have them here if you don't have a sheet. Every month we're going to give one of these out, because we are not just giving to give. We are giving to test God. He asked us to do it. We're going to take him up on it as a whole church. The entire year, every month, the beginning of the month, we're going to give out a sheet, record what you give, and record if God blesses you or not. And we are going to do that. Next, next month, we're talking the whole month about receiving. We talked about giving this month. Next month, it's all about receiving. Do you know why? Because we're expecting to receive. We're expecting to, well, give and don't expect. We're expecting. We are expecting that God is good and that he honors his promises. And so we're going to record that, and we're going to mark it down, and we're going to watch it together and see how God does that. But I want to bring up Justin and Madison. Um, I did see Madison. I don't know where she's sitting now, but I saw her before. There she is. Okay, so bring them up. Um, I'll put them on the spot. Justin loves being in front. That's why I call him. It's his favorite place to be. So I'm going to give Justin first and then Madison after that. And then we're going to break out into our prayer huddles that we do every, um, that we do every week. God said his house will be called the house of prayer. We're going to break into prayer huddles and pray that God releases us from fear and takes us into a place of expectancy and receiving in faith. Amen. Thanks. So I was forced to come up here and, sh- I mean, I wanted to come up here and share a story about a time that I gave and God blessed me before I was getting ready to leave for a trip. I had 
an amount in my head that I wanted to offer before I left my trip. So as I was counting that money out and setting it aside, there was something in the back of my head that was like, you should give more. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Because it makes me nervous. Money had this just, man, just a little bit more. Just give a little bit more. What's a little? I kept pushing it off, and it kept just coming. Just a little bit more. Just give a little bit more. What's a little bit more? So I was out of my comfort zone. Gave just a little bit more, not much, because I was nervous. So I was out of my comfort zone. Once we came back, we went on our trip, and once we came back, that's where, for me, the stress and chaos usually begins because you're back from your trip. You weren't bringing in money on your trip. You were spending more money than you normally were because money's going out on vacation stuff, plus the bills don't stop. I came back from our trip, looked at the accounts and our money and everything, and normally it's just we've got to get to work. I've got to work a lot, and I just didn't feel that at all. And I knew that that was a blessing from God and it wasn't even it wasn't even a monetary blessing right it's not hey i gave this amount i sure hope to get this much or more back it literally loosened the grip i'm not going to say it was gone not gone but it loosened the grip that money had on my life and my scheduling that that was big for me that was one that uh definitely sticks out so it's not always about the money it's about what god knows that you need and man i really needed that to change a lot of parts of my life that's one of mine so um giving is something i'm super passionate about and it's kind of weird to say that because it's not something i was passionate about even five years ago. It was something that like I didn't do. It was not something that um, I felt like I was capable of doing. Um, but when I went through, you know, this life-changing event, homeless, um, God was just like, hey, like, you don't even have money right now, but I am asking you to give it to me. And I was like, what are you talking about, Lord? <laughs> I don't even have money, but I felt him putting it on my heart. And so when I would get these odd-in jobs, um, you know, I was living with friends and doing all these things and trying to find money and donating plasma. Um, even with the donating plasma, I would give 10%, and it wasn't necessarily to a church. Sometimes it was to someone else in need. And, um, and I just have seen God deliver me from the bondage of feeling like money is what is providing for my life, you know, my provision truly comes from God. And um, so I've seen myself come from being homeless to an RV and just being like, oh my gosh, I know that the only reason I'm here is because I'm giving God just 10%. When you, when you think about what he's asking us to give, it's really nothing in comparison of what we're gaining. All Everything is a gift from God. And so if he's just asking for 10% back, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing. And so now I look at my life. I'm not homeless, you know. I have an apartment. Uh, <laughs> I host community group. And if you think about a single mom being able to somehow feed, you know, 10 people every week, and I'm, I'm the one who's, 
you know, making the bulk meal. Like, someone who was homeless, <laughs> being able to feed people and have opened my home and, like, just have this amazing wealth of community and um, just this generosity that I have that I, n- I never could own before. Um, and now I have my bank account set up where my paycheck, 10% immediately goes into an account, and that's my tithings. And, like, if it doesn't go in there, I'm like, what happens? I'm, like, in the office, you know, and that's crazy. Like, that I get, I, <laughs> I want to give. Like, that's so important to me. Like, God just, he broke those chains of feeling like money is me, you know? Like, I'm, you know, like, I'm a slave to the system. I'm not. I, I live in freedom because God is my provider. And, um, and just this really cool story was, you know, two years ago, um, I was in a bad place and I had wrecked a car, maybe it was three years ago, wrecked a car into a police officer, had to pay all this money that was for my Christmas presents for my kids to, you know, pay like the insurance for my car and all this stuff. And through that, um, because I hit a police officer, (laughs) Uh, my kids got Blue Santa, and it was like this crazy thing, and I was just like, oh my gosh, wow, how ironic. But then fast forward to the next year, and my diligence of giving, and I actually was like, you know what, I want to give back, and I kept my tithes, and I was able to actually use that and buy 11 kids Christmas presents the next year, and that was purely because I kept these tithes from God, and I just asked him, what do you want me to do with this, and I was able to buy 11 kids Christmas presents and for my kids to see that and just God's goodness through all of it, like this full circle, it was just super cool. So I just encourage you guys to give God your everything and it's not just money, it's your time because God is going to reward you so much through your diligence. And And, uh, we're going to take every week we take time and we break into prayer huddles and we mainly do this to make... um, all the introverts feel extremely nervous and agitated. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we really do it because we want people to have a family and part of a body. And the Bible says that when we come together, we're supposed to encourage each other and build each other up with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so just be thankful I'm not making you sing together in little huddles. You can actually just pray. But we're going to look around for four or five people to pray with. And this is what we're praying today, okay? Specifically pray that God will help them and you us as a church, to break free from fear. There's a lot of financial pressures and fear with inflations and all these kinds of things. Break free from fear and to live generously. Live generously with each other. Live generously with the church. Live generously with our families. Even live generously with our words because a lot of times in fear, we start saying a lot of negative things instead of faith-building things that are generous and encouraging and lifting others up. So in every way to be a generous people, amen? All right, ready? Set, find somebody to pray with, and Carrie's watching the door so no one escapes until we pray together. Amen. And if you're online, this is why you're there, but come in next time and pray with people. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.